and it's called the land of the brave. The whole world knows our name. One Welcome to the Woke is Broke podcast. I'm your host, of course, Joshua Stanko. And uh, I guess I wanted to start off today's episode first by apologizing a little bit. So, just to clarify, on Monday I reported on something uh, regarding Ava Marjorie, the TikTok star, the 15-year-old TikTok star. And I talked about how a stalker had attempted to break in her home with a shotgun, was shot by her father. And basically, I, you know, just said that uh, these are terrible parents. They shouldn't have been letting their daughter be on social media to the extent that they were and uh, rising to celebrity status. I, I, I blame them entirely for the event. And I apologize not for that opinion. I stand by that opinion 150%. But it occurred to me after the episode that it just didn't sit right with me. It was a it was a quick criticism. It, it was frankly it was it was a lazy criticism. Um, you know, doing this show, uh, there's a lot of aspects that go into it, and I could make excuses about being time constrained. I could make excuses about focusing on researching all the articles that I present to you and the post production and everything like that. But what it comes down to is just, I, I honestly, I I was lazy in my my breakdown of that. And I apologize. Unfortunately for me in the show, and unfortunately for Ava Marjorie, she is once again newsworthy just two days later. Apparently another stalker has surfaced, and she is going to court currently over the ordeal. Her attorney released a statement regarding the events. She is genuinely afraid for her safety, Lanny Davis, one of Ava's attorneys, stated. It is a shame that it too often seems it takes a tragedy for everyone to ask, why didn't we act sooner? Why didn't they act sooner? Now, that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? Why didn't the parents act sooner? Especially the father. You know, I released a segment talking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, talking about masculinity, talking about what it means to be a man, right? That a man is meant to be strong in character and judgment and discernment, strong uh, as a provider and as a protector, right? Ideally, a man is meant to be a leader, a leader of his household in particular, especially when he is a father and a husband. And there's no denying we are seeing a shocking and rather shameful trend of men abdicating that responsibility in regards to being a leader, being a protector, right? Just look at the, just look at the increase in single motherhood rate in this country across all racial demographics. All racial demographics are seeing that as a huge spike in the last 60 years of single motherhood rates. But guess what? Being a father, being a husband, it goes well beyond just being present in the home. Okay? I'm not talking about people who just run off on their kids. Those are scumbags, and honestly, it's just a whole other conversation. What I'm talking about right here is Ava, Ma Mar Ava Majory's father, right? He was present. He was in the home. But was he being a father? 
Was he being a leader of his household? The answer, the answer to that is an emphatic no. It's no. It shouldn't be controversial to suggest that no, you shouldn't just let your children onto social media. I don't think kids should be on social media. I think there's good overwhelming evidence to, that outlines the consequences of social media and the impact on young people. Just look at the studies Facebook suppressed regarding in Instagram's impact on young women and young men. I mean, there's no denying that this, this social media culture we surround ourselves with does in fact have a overwhelming negative impact on young people, right? But that's just one risk. Then there's the, the risk of celebrity. You know, I talked about it a little bit on Monday. There is a reason why uh, childhood movie stars end up so screwed up later on in life. It is again because children need stability, they need normality, they need consistency, they need the involvement of their parents, and there is nothing stable or normal or healthy about a celebrity lifestyle. There just isn't. Your privacy constantly being invaded, everyone knowing your name, and you tying your self-worth around that recognition, around how many likes you get, around how many views you get, around how many comments of support you get online. There's nothing normal about that. There's nothing healthy about that, and it does break children. It, it, it breaks men as well. It breaks men and women as well, but children especially, because they are particularly vulnerable, and that is why they need to be protected, especially by their parents. Ava Marjorie was not. She was not protected by her parents, by her father or her mother. And just the obliviousness of these parents, just the obliviousness of these attorneys, just these group of adults around Ava right now. Why didn't we do something sooner? As if you couldn't foresee that exposing yourself to millions of strangers all over the internet could possibly lead to something ugly. You know, I'm old enough to remember when the internet really first started taking off in the early 2000s. I remember sitcoms and TV shows making jokes about people not being themselves online, right? That was the big message. Don't share your personal information on the internet if you're a kid. You don't know who's out there. You don't know who's going to uh, try and, you know, get after you, so to speak. Right? That was readily available. It was taught in schools. It was on TV. I remember hearing it from my mom. Do not share your personal information out there on the internet. And then social media took off and apparently it just became popular to do so. Apparently it just became tolerated. Do those threats out there just go away? No. No, but parental care regarding those threats certainly seem to go away in large part. Especially in regards to Ava here. What it comes down to is apathy. It's an abandonment of parental responsibility. It's an abandonment of this father and his, his obligations, his responsibilities to his children and to his household to be a leader and to be there. And not just be there in the sense that he is physically present in the home, but to be an active part of his child's life. And to ensure that what she is doing with her free time is productive and healthy to her in the long run. And the fact that these parents signed off on this little girl selling personal photos to her would-be stalker who was later killed by her father. That just speaks to all, level, all kinds of you're just things that are deeply, deeply disturbing within that family. And honestly, I feel very sorry for Ava. I feel very sorry for her and what she's going through right now. And I feel very sorry that this entire situation, when it comes down to it, is not her fault because she is a child. 
It is the fault of the parents because they were meant to be the adults here. They were the ones who were meant to protect her and they didn't and they aren't. And you can't come back from that. You can't walk that you can't walk back that kind of that kind of damage. You can't walk back that kind of ingrained apathy. You just can't. Ava doesn't get to. No, neither do they. So that is my that is my critique of this whole situation um, at a more in-depth level. And uh, so yeah, thanks for bearing with me though, guys. Um, in any event, let's move on, shall we? Okay, so the author, Stephen King. Uh, you might have heard of him if you have watched any horror movie that's been made in the last 40 years or so. Um, but uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Mr. King is a left-leaning liberal. And, uh, you know, he's made political comments from time to time. But I guess before I get into my political critiques of Stephen King, I wanted to get into my critiques of him as an author. right? Because as some of you may know, I published a book. Rockers Creek, available on the Amazon Marketplace. Buy my book! But, um, my book, also supernatural thriller, uh, and uh, I, I do enjoy a good scary book. I will say that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft is a far superior horror writer than Stephen King ever has been or ever will be. That being said, Salem's Lot uh, is easily... Certainly one of the one of the best horror one of the best vampire uh, stories I've ever read, uh, and I give him credit for that credit where credit is due. I I highly recommend it if you guys are looking for anything to read. Um, but uh, Stephen King has a habit of incorporating uh, certain things in his stories uh, that don't really serve any greater purpose to the story, that are just unbelievably over-the-top, gratuitous and grotesque and unnecessary. Um, for As an author, the, the only thing that I could really take it as is, is, is in order to in, intentionally shock the audience with something so unbelievably disturbing. Um, spoiler alert here for a couple of his books. Uh, so, in, uh, in Salem's Lot, for instance, right, I really like how Stephen King puts you in the shoes of numerous people throughout this town of Salem's Lot in order to give you an idea of the town and the townsfolk and, you know, puts you in the lives of various people, not just the main characters, but various people. Um, it gives you a little bit of taste of every corner of this town. I really like that. One of those corners, though, is a mother who is, a who is abusing her infant child. And I mean like a baby who's like six months old, right? She's just beating him. Right? It's very disturbing to read. It's very disturbing to read. And the thing about this is, there's absolutely no reason to put that in there other than to just be shocking and disturbing. When you look at uh, the, the book It, right, the, the, with the killer clown and everything, right? At the end of the book, after the, the kids defeat the clown, right, they get lost in a series of... Uh, the, the ending battle takes place in the sewer, essentially. The kids get lost... And uh, there's four, four or five boys and one girl who are, who are in this group, right? Kids, right? Minors. And uh, the boys get a, are getting flustered because they're lost. And so the girl with the, 
sleeps with each and every one of them in order to calm their nerves and then they're able to find their way out of the freaking sewers. There is no practical purpose to putting something like that in your books. And, and, and it's like this in Stephen King's writing, right? He uses just really gratuitous, over-the-top stuff that doesn't serve the story that is just meant as shock value. Um, and honestly, I think it cheapens the story overall. It cheapens the characters overall. And uh, that is certainly my biggest critique of Stephen King, aside from the quality drop in his writing over the years as perfectly outlined by Family Guy here. The Weather Service has reported a big snowstorm on its way. Oh my God, Stephen King! Ah! Hey, this would make a neat story. Done. Yes, yeah, so um, it, it is apparent that Stephen King certainly lost his touch or his energy for writing, but he, he does have some excellent writing overall. But again, I, I would say that the, uh, the, the shock treatments in his writing uh, are certainly a disservice to his overall works. Um, but that being said, that is my critique of Stephen King as a writer. As a political commentator, he has been, and he has always has been, and probably always will be, a gigantic buffoon who doesn't know anything that he's talking about. And that has never been made more apparent than his comments regarding Biden, Putin, and the Russia-Ukraine Russia situation. He said, Mr. Putin has made a serious miscalculation. He forgot he's no longer dealing with Trump. <laughs> You know, I fully, I fully believe that people should stay in their lanes, so to speak, right? We hear actors coming out and talking about politics and talking out of their ass. You hear LeBron James coming out and talking about politics while keeping his mouth shut about the genocide in China while they're signing him millions of dollars for his shoes, right? Um, I do believe people should stay in their lane. Maybe a little hypocritical on my part, considering that supernatural thriller writer... I also act on the side, but yes, you know, I spend a lot of time educating myself on politics to know what's going on in the world. The vast majority of the sources that I use on this show that are readily available in all the episode descriptions of every episode that we release on YouTube and Rumble, there's a cap on the description for Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I can't actually fit all the sources in on those episode descriptions, but they are public, they are available, but the vast majority of the sources that I use are left-leaning sources. Washington Post, right? Washington Journal, uh, CNN, right? NBC. I, I, I use these guys all the time. I read the opposition. That is important. Not just, not, just the, not just the news that agrees with me and my political persuasions, right? But I try to educate myself. Not to mention that the vast majority of the people that I interviewed in the first season of the show were people on the other side of the aisle. I love having debates. I love informing myself on the uh, viewpoints of people on the other side of the aisle. That can't really be said for Stephen King, though, given this wildly ignorant statement. All right, let's just look. Let's just let's just leave our personal interpretation of politics out of this and just look at the plain and simple facts. Putin has moved on Ukraine under Bush. He has moved on Ukraine under Obama. He did not move in on it uh, under Trump. He just didn't. That is an objective fact. He is now moving in on it and prepping to take it completely under Biden. That is an objective fact. And why is that? Well, again, let's look at the objective facts. What happened not long after Biden was elected? Afghanistan. It is an objective fact that he completely ignored the advice of his military leaders and abandoned Bagram Air Base. It is an objective fact that 13 service members died during the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It is an objective fact 
that he said it would not be the fall of Saigon all over again. It is an objective fact that by every possible measure, it was worse than the fall of Saigon. Mr. President, some, some Vietnamese veterans see echoes of their experience in this withdrawal in Afghanistan. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not the, South, the North Vietnamese Army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comparable. It is an objective fact that we abandon hundreds of thousands of Afghan allies over there, hundreds if not thousands of American citizens over there, millions of women over there, Christians over there. It is an objective fact that we handed a territory we were occupying for two decades over to the Taliban in the blink of an eye. And it is an objective fact that under his administration, they bombed a U.S. aid worker and his seven children, mistaking him for an ISIS member. Right, these are all objective facts that all point to a rather weak stance on foreign policy and military intervention. And it is not a wild thing to suggest that Putin looked at these things, that China is looking at these things and saying that, no, this guy isn't going to get involved if we want to move in on Ukraine. He'll threaten sanctions and maybe he'll implement some sanctions. But again, it is an objective fact that Russian ambassadors to Sweden and to the U.S. are openly stating, no, we will survive these sanctions. We don't really give a crap. Right? But none of that matters. I don't know how you could possibly look at Biden when he can't even finish a sentence without stumbling and bumbling his way through it, not even remember what room he is, not even remember where he's going, not even being able to get up a staircase without falling down. I don't know how you look at that. I don't know how you look at Afghanistan and say, this guy's a tough guy. Are you out of your mind? And the answer is yes. For Stephen King, when it comes to politics, he's completely and totally oblivious. He has no idea what he's talking about. And that's why a lot of people are ripping into him right now. <laughs> and it, it, it is not hard. It is not hard. Biden is wildly unpopular right now. Every single poll is showing him either being in the low 40s or the high 30s at best. He is unbelievably unpopular, even more unpopular than Donald Trump was. And that's saying something. That takes some work. That takes some work. Especially when you were voted in as a guy... The, the sole reason for him being voted in in the first place was because he wasn't Donald Trump. And now he's less, less popular than Donald Trump. That's hard to do. That's hard to achieve. Hands down. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I do get sick and tired of, honestly, these totally self-involved buffoons getting out there and, and talking out of their rear ends about things that they have no idea what they're talking about because they don't take the time to inform themselves. Honest to God. No, so uh, I, to Stephen King, I would suggest staying in your lane as I would, honestly, any celebrity or athlete who thinks they know something about things that they just, they don't. They don't. And it's not because they're incapable of knowing about it, but again, it's because they don't take the time to inform themselves, plain and simple. It's not just about watching MSNBC. It's about watching both sides and trying to pull the facts out where you can spot them, right? Look for the consistencies. That's what I have to do for this show. That's what anybody worth their salt reporting on news has to do, but they don't. And it's because it's 
laziness at the end of the day. Um, but in any event, um, time for a commercial break. It's time for Friday! Howdy! Grapes, the name, Goofy Grape. But why they call me Goofy, I don't know. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm one of the new Funny Face Drinks from Pillsbury. Funny Faces Fancy Drinks. <clears throat> one of the new Funny Face Drinks. Here's what you do. You pour me into a pitcher, add water, don't add sugar. I'm already sweet when you buy me. You can drink all you want. Mom won't mind. Cause look, Mom, I'm pre-sweetened without sugar. <laughs> and so are my friends. Ingenorin. Oh. Root and tootin' raspberry. Yahoo! Freckle-faced strawberry. Hi. Chinese cherry. And loudmouth lime. Hello, hello, hello. Look for us at your store. Funny face drinks. From Pillsbury. Funny faces, hot sugar. We're sweet without sugar. So no sugar mess. <laughs> okay, so it's time for some more shocking news, I suppose. It, predictable, predictable news, mind you, but shocking news nonetheless. You will be called a conspiracy theorist if you were to suggest that the left wing wants to indoctrinate your children and my future children um, with LGBT. Q plus elemental P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, um, ideology. And you'll be called a loon. You'll say, that's crazy, that's not happening, right? Except a public library linked program is actually paying teens to attend a spring break sex ed camp. That is, wait for it, wait for it, LGBTQ plus elemental P friendly. Yes, yes, apparently, a public library linked program in Austin, Texas is offering to pay teens, minors, $100 to attend a summer camp to learn about sex education. I wonder what they could possibly learn there considering it's LGBTQ plus friendly. I, 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 I can't guess what it is. I and mean, honestly, I can't even look at this and say, Obviously, they're not trying to, <laughs> obviously, they're trying to indoctrinate our kids. I don't know how anybody could come to that wild, heinous conclusion. Or, alternatively, maybe these people are a bunch of sexually degenerate morons and liars who do, in fact, want to indoctrinate your children because they are the most vulnerable among us. In the same way that, say, I don't know, Hitler, again, hyperbolic a little bit, but targeted children, right? The Hitler Youth. There's a reason why leftist regimes go after children, and that is because they are malleable. They're easily influenced. And it's a hell of a lot easier to convince a child that a man can become a, a woman by mere thought than it is to convince somebody who is in their mid-30s and well-established at this point already that magically you can just change your gender. Magically. Magically you can become a bird if you wanted to, right? Through a system of leverage advantage, plus a man's physical power, I believe it's possible to fly as a bird. This is wild stuff. This is wild stuff. And, you know, honestly, it's something I've talked about before, but it is something that I have a very, very hard time controlling my temper on. I, I've, been, I've been trying to get better about that, in all honesty, but I do have a particular soft spot when it comes to kids, and just the targeting of children in this country is easily the most evil thing that's going on in this country. Hands down. Seeking to 
strip parents of their rights, seeking to indoctrinate children in a radical ideology that, honestly, honestly, the, the trans community has a suicidality rate of upwards of 40%, right? The only other group in modern history to have a suicidality rate even remotely close to that is Jews during the Holocaust, right? And the idea that you can just convert kids into uh, LGBTQ plus movement or the trans movement, right? And that that isn't going to cost lives in the long run, long run, that's a lie. That's an outright lie. All right. You're trying to convert people, convert children into a group where their suicidality rate goes from being whatever it normally is up to 40%. 40%. This is going to get children killed. This is going to get children scarred. This has gotten children killed, and this has already gotten children scarred. And we aren't talking about children who on their own are legitimately suffering from the phenomenon of, uh, of uh, gender euphoria. We are talking about children who were targeted, who were prepped, and who were pushed into a transition that they weren't likely to make, being fed a pack of lies about the utter joys of just doing whatever you want when it comes to sexuality. You know, guess what? There is morality tied to sexuality, and it is entirely absent from the LGBT plus movement. And I put an emphasis on movement because I am not about to demonize individual homosexuals or, or individual lesbians. Some of the best friend, one of my best friends is a lesbian, okay? I am a Christian, right? I believe the act of homosexuality to be a sin. But I believe, as Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? Love the person, hate the act. Simple as that. I'm not about to demonize individual homosexuals, but the movement, there's no denying that it is pernicious, that it is evil. The movement that targets children. I don't see how anybody could possibly defend that. I don't know how anybody could objectively look at the numbers. You just look at the stats when it, when it comes to any poll taken on overall happiness and well-being. The happiest people in the world are people who are married with children. Straight, heterosexual couples. Look at the suicidality rates. That should matter. It should matter no matter who we're talking about, but it should especially matter when we're talking about children. Because if that doesn't matter, then what else possibly could, if not the next generation, if not the most vulnerable among us? Yes, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think the Divine Comedy or Dante's Inferno, the book, got it wrong. I do not believe that the, uh, I, I do not believe that there are only seven circles to hell. I believe that there is actually a secret eighth circle and it's reserved specifically for people who target and harm children. Because, again, make no mistake, this is the most evil thing going on in this country. And thank God, the, the one saving grace about COVID, if, if, if there were any saving graces about COVID, thank God parents are finally starting to wake up. Thank God, for once, parents were able to see what their child was being taught in the classroom thanks to Zoom and realize, hey, I'm not down for this. The parental movement is happening. It's rising. It's on the march. It's taking over school boards 
right now. It's changing the curriculum right now. And it has to right now. It's already too late for a lot of other people, unfortunately. But thank God it's happening right now. Thank God for that, if nothing else, that's come out of COVID. That's all I can say on that. Moving on. You know, I got to admit, it is a little bit funny that just 24 hours ago now, I was talking about the need to draw attention to the U.S. trucker convoy that's headed to D.C. currently, that we need to draw attention to that, that we need to support that, that we need to build this up, that it needs to succeed, lest we begin to slowly succumb to the tyrannical predations that are infecting and overtaking Canada right now. Just 24 hours ago. Unbelievable, isn't it? And within that time, within that time, clear, cut evidence has come out that there is no distinction between certain Democrats in this country and the leftists running Canada. Case in point, a Democrat senator in uh, Arizona had this to say about the trucker convoy headed to D.C. right now. Disrupted our city, you've hurt our small business community, uh, and this is costing a small fortune for the taxpayers of Ottawa. And that's one of the reasons why, under the Emergency Act, I've asked our solicitor and our city manager, how can we keep the tow trucks and the campers and the vans and everything else that we've confiscated and sell those uh, pieces of equipment uh, to help recoup some of the costs that our taxpayers are absorbing? Oh, um, my mistake. I'm sorry. That was actually the mayor of Ottawa suggesting that the government should illegally seize uh, these people's trucks and sell them and redistribute the wealth as they saw fit. Um, here's the actual quote that I was referring to, to a Democratic congressman, not a senator, Democratic congressman in Arizona, who goes by the name of Ruben Galigo. He says, perfect time to impound and give the trucks to small trucking companies looking to expand their businesses. Could you think of a more perfect example about the transparency of these nutcases? How in God's name do they get it into their head that they have any right or any authority to just steal people's property? I don't know how they got it into their head, but they did. And the idea that they would happily do that if they were given the ability to do it, it just speaks to the tyrannical nature of these people's political viewpoints. It's just night and day, honest to God, wild, wild stuff right now. It's just, and honestly, if you're not laughing, you're crying, hands down, freaking A. But um, yes, I will emphasize this again. Share this on your social media pages about the trucker movement. Make some noise about it. Uh, if they have GoFundMe set up already, donate to it. Pay attention to it. Support it. It needs to happen. It needs to be built up, for God's sakes. Because as we have seen, there is no distinction between the people running Canada and the leftists in this country who want to run everything. Freaking hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. All right, so we're going to wrap up today with some good news here for you, uh, because God knows we need some. So Kyle Rittenhouse, you might remember him as the miner who was slandered by virtually every single major news source in this country outside of Fox, calling him a racist, calling him a white supremacist, calling him a murderer for defending himself from a mob of people in a Black Lives Matter rally, all of whom were white, by the way, defending himself. 
and shooting a couple of people, right? <laughs> he was slandered up the wazoo from every left-leaning person and news agency in this country. It is amazing. Well, he went on Tucker Carlson's show and uh, made an announcement that he is, in fact, intending to sue the bejesus out of everyone who slandered him. Yeah, I mean, they tried to imprison you for the rest of your life. It wasn't coverage, it was advocacy. You have a lot of potential targets to sue yourself. Will you be suing any of these news organizations, and if so, when? Um, well, right now we're looking at quite a few. Uh, politicians, celebrities, athletes. Whoopi Goldberg's on the list. She called me a murderer after I was acquitted by a jury of my peers. She went on to still say that. And there's others. Don't forget about Sank from the Young Turks. He called me a murderer before verdict and continues to call me a murderer. Interesting. And, and what about the people who called you groundlessly a white supremacist, which makes it pretty hard to get a job for the rest of your life if you're a white supremacist? Will you be responding to them? Absolutely. We are going to hold everybody who's lied about me accountable, such as um, everybody who's lied, called me a white supremacist. Yeah. They're all going to be held accountable, and we're going to handle them in a courtroom. And good on him. Good on him. Honestly, his case for slander against these people makes Nick Sandman's look like uh, not even a drop in a bucket. I mean, honest to God. So good on him for going in, uh, going after them, and good on him for going after Whoopi Goldberg, who is back on The View now after her wildly anti-Semitic and heinous comments regarding World War II. She's back. No consequences there, but maybe uh, Kyle Rittenhouse can help uh, hold her accountable for her just a despicable behavior. Despicable and slanderous behavior. <laughs> Honest to God, what a cow that woman is. Um, but uh, the good news doesn't end there. Doesn't end there. Kyle also announced a new movement that he is starting, a new project, rather, titled TMAP, the Media Accountability Project. Uh, here's him describing that, uh, that new project that he's working on here. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me. Um, of course. Me and my team have decided to launch the Media Accountability Project as a tool to help fundraise and hold the media accountable for the lies they said and deal with them in court. Interesting. So the idea is, it, uh, maybe like the Covington Catholic kids, you will be suing news organizations that maliciously lie about people who are in the news? Is, is that the plan? Yes, sir. We're going to be holding them accountable, Tucker. Do you, exp I mean, I, I guess I have to ask a kind of a dumb question, but, you know, why isn't there a group like this that exists already since the media so often are not observers, they're players, they're participants in the news? Why hasn't someone done this before? That's a good question, Tucker, and I'm not sure, to be honest, but I don't want to see anybody else have to deal with what I went through, so I want to hold them accountable for what they did to me, because I don't want to see anybody have to go through what I went through. You know, I got, I got to admit, I got to admit, it is kind of an exciting time to be alive. I mean, it, it's a little scary, you know, with the things going on in the world and in our country right now, but it is really exciting. You know, when I first started the show last year, I talked about a what appeared to be a conservative renaissance on the horizon. Um, and just to just to see like new organizations, right? New social media platforms, new movies, new songs, right? New organizations like the one that Kyle is starting here, 
right, start to crop up, start starting to see parents fight back for the rights of their children, right, starting to see truckers ready to head, head to D.C. And, and protest for their rights and their freedoms. It really, it really is just inspiring, I guess, to see. And it's important to keep all of these things in mind when we turn on the news every day or we go online and, and see just some of the ugliness and the lies that are out there. It's important to keep our eye on the wins, the successes, the victories that we have and that we're on our way to having right now. It's important to keep all of that in mind, right? Because as dark as the world may be at times, there is good in it. There is goodness in it. And there is goodness in you. There's goodness in all of us. And it's never too late to walk back, to, to come back from the mistakes that we've made. It's never too late to step up and to get involved. It's never too late to do something that really matters. Because at the end of the day, all of us, you, you watching, you matter. I've said this over and over and over again, and I believe it entirely. So do keep that in mind. Do keep those successes in mind. Do keep your eye out on the developments regarding, you, you know, these, these conservative businesses and uh, protests and organizations that are cropping up like wildfire right now. Do keep an eye on that and do keep them close to your heart because, again, when things get dark, it's important to hold on to the light. But in any event, guys, I am Joshua Stanko saying stay safe, stay informed, and God bless, guys. We'll catch you next time.